Broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the Ignite EdTech Podcast with Craig Kemp, taking the pulse of educators from all over the globe and bringing what you need every week. When you need answers, you go to the experts. Created by an educator for educators and streaming to the world. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Ignite EdTech podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm thrilled to have your support. As most of you know, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. Last week, I asked you how you engage students in learning with technology. Check out the social streams for more. This week, I want to ask about collaboration and authentic audiences. I'd love to hear how you're making this a reality in your school and the tools and strategies you're using. Please share with me via our Ignite EdTech social streams. I look forward to hearing your responses soon. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Project Pals. Project Pals is an online collaborative project-based learning platform with data and accountability. As a big fan of project-based learning and getting students to own their own learning, Project Pals has been an amazing helping hand to make this process simple and accessible to everyone. It really is an all-in-one platform for student-centered inquiries and group projects. In Project Pals, you can plan, create, assess, and publish learning experiences. They have a catalog of common core aligned projects and assignments developed by other teachers and Project Pals staff that you can use and you can also create your own. Students can then create project assets, import media, and visualize relationships within an interactive and collaborative workspace updated in real time. Every individual and team contribution in the platform is tracked and reported through Project Analytics. You can create your own rubric or use one from Project Pals and then share the project with colleagues, peers, and parents. You can experience the platform for free and then it costs you about $10 per student per year after your initial trial. It's well worth the money spent if you're a lover of project-based learning like me. I highly recommend that you take a look at projectpals.com. The link is in the description below. Last week, we talked about homeschool communication and how you connect and engage with your parents. If you're interested in learning more, go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, I wanted to talk about collaboration and creating opportunities for students to share via authentic audiences. One of the things I'm extremely passionate about is student voice and choice in their learning. I'm an advocate for inquiry learning when it's done well, and an advocate for student voice and authentic audiences. Last week, the idea of authentic audiences and the value it adds to formative assessment and feedback came up in a program that I run with a local university here in Singapore. We were having a discussion about tech tools that are useful in the formative assessment process and a conversation emerged about audiences. We were talking about the power of global connections and the ability to connect and engage when we want, how we want, and with who we want, and the idea of creating authentic and meaningful connections as adults emerged. Of course, I shared my love and experience in Twitter and LinkedIn, 
and what I've learned from that. But we went down the rabbit warren of talking about student learning and engagement. In my classroom, as a teacher, I've always harnessed the power of technology to connect and engage and make learning more authentic and purposeful. To me, that's the superpower of technology in our classrooms. The ability to do things that were previously inconceivable. So when we look at frameworks like the SAMA model by Ruben Putendera, we think about how a tech tool can transform the learning experience. And unfortunately for many of us, we can't show that or demonstrate it in a way that links back to student learning and engagement. For me, it was mystery Skypes back in the day and tools like Padlet that allowed my students a voice and a connection in a very safe, controlled and secure environment. Now that we're immersed in the ability to be connected thanks to home learning, it's time for us to take it to the next level. Not just using technology for the sake of it or to get by, but actually push boundaries and transform the experience for everyone. I like to think of this as a time where, as teachers in our schools, we can transform the experience to be what we want it to be almost overnight without any pushback from those around us. Amazing. We can use tools like Nearpod, Flipgrid, and Boomwriter to engage with people all over the world, to have an authentic audience for our writing, go to sleep one night, wake up with comments and feedback from people all over the world that we've never met before. This could be the opportunity that you have to transform and engage that learner in your classroom that needs an extra boost. You know, that learner in your classroom that needs to know their voice is heard or to see and feel a genuine connection and interest in the work that they're doing. If you're interested in learning more, connect on social media. Send me your questions via the links in the notes below. I'm always happy to help you create a genuine learning engagement with technology in your environment. And if you want to learn how other people are doing it, you can explore some of the courses that are up now for free at eduspark.world. There are multiple examples and opportunities that you can take and use immediately that will add value to the learning experiences in your classroom. And as always, I'm always here to help you. Please reach out with your ideas and thoughts. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with the incredible Andrew Mowat. Let's have a listen to the chat. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Andrew Mowat. Andrew is a longtime friend and colleague of mine and is based here in Singapore. Andrew is a metacognition expert and co-founder of eduspark.world. Andrew worked for many years with the Cognita Schools Group supporting professional learning and design. He describes himself as a neuroscience tragic and loves learning experience and design. Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk about education and technology integration? Absolutely, Craig. Great to be here with you. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? So I'm in this strange space where I'm running a practice and I deliver training and I build learning products, um, explore uh, technology and how that fits the world. And since that famous question you asked back in February, why don't we build our own? I've been uh, deeply entrenched in this whole co-founding space with you around EduSpark. So EduSpark now probably occupies about 70 to 80% of my time. And it's just an amazing space to be involved in, to actually start building something that starts to meet the goals that we know are needed in education. 
Yeah, and I'm so inspired by the work you do and the conversations that we have, Andrew, that I wanted you to be on here to share that to the audience as well. You have a particular passion for neuroscience and metacognition. Tell us a little bit about that. It's just one of these strange situations about education that, uh, and I'm an ex-biology teacher, so that's where it comes from. But, you know, we, we teach to the brain, the organ in the body we're trying to change. We know so little about it. And it's, it's almost like driving a car, but not knowing you're in a car and not knowing how, how you get from A to B. And for me, it's, it's pulling the curtains back on what uh, neuroscience and what um, optimization processes can tell us about improving the way we teach and we learn, in particular the way we learn. So the passion comes from that deep interest in the brain, but it also comes from, heck, if we knew a bit more about this, we could actually improve the way we learn things in the world. Amazing, mate. And I love that you do have this passion and it drives a lot of your discussions and enthusiasm for particularly the way technology is used in our in our schools and how people can really take advantage of that when they understand the way that their brain works too. Tell us a little bit now about the work you did uh, at a group of schools level and how this led you to developing your passion of learning experience and design. So it probably goes way back, actually, Craig. You, you may not know this about me, but I started doing tech-based professional development in the early 90s. Uh, it really dates me. In fact, Trivial Pursuit question, my first year of teaching was the year that Macintosh was released. So I'll leave that for your audience to find out, but it's a few years ago. But um, I, I learned then, I did a bit of a study for the Victorian Department of Education, and there was very little transfer of the professional learning delivery around technology at that point in time. Not much has changed. Uh, and in my work with Cognita uh, and the schools levels group, what I was largely doing was, first of all, building and delivering strategic programs that could improve strategic goals for the group and in particular things around feedback and conversation, coaching, leadership, and also to build out and find, in fact, and then deliver a learning management system that could start to deliver professional learning in a distributed network of schools well before COVID hit. The problem that I found coming back to that first research thing was that the delivery of a one-day program, the stock standard way that we tend to deliver programs in education pre-COVID, didn't actually work. And it wasn't until I sort of stepped away from, I guess, a bit of hubris about uh, good feedback about the programs I was running, good engagement um, uh, and ostensibly good connection with the work I was presenting. People were saying to me afterwards um, that people aren't transferring that. And so in spite of good design, good delivery, there was very little transfer still. And I think COVID started to tickle away at me saying there've got to be better ways of delivering, not so much designing, but delivering professional learning to education so that it's more parallel with what we're trying to do with students in the classroom and that it has greater transferability of the learning into visible practice change. So that's that's really the, the, the central piece that came out of that period of my working life. And uh, as a final point of this, I often say we, if you think about the way we teach teachers, we wouldn't try to teach our students that way these days. And so there's a big disconnect that's not parallel. We don't teach our teachers the way that we are trying to teach our kids. And that, for me, is a massive disconnect. It's a nice uh, inroad into the next question, Andrew, because it really justified, I guess, your reason for doing what you do and and making that impact. And, you know, together we founded eduspark.world and very recently launched that. Tell the audience about your why. 
Why did you want to be a part of this project? Why did you believe that this was a much needed space and we can deliver on that promise of transformation to teachers and leaders? I have to be honest. And when you first posed that question over coffee, I I felt like reaching for medication because I've been involved in (laughs) um, LMS or learning management system or, or platforms that deliver training and learning. They've followed me around since the early 2000s and I delivered one at scale at the Australian International School. I almost rolled out three, but we delivered one at the school's group that we spoke about before and I've seen the limitations of those and in our current world the corporate-based LMS systems are more about compliance and then we have this raft of tools where I as an individual can sell a course and that might have some good learning design behind it but it's largely about marketing and there's nothing really that tries to bake into the technology to the culture to the learning design uh, and even to the metrics and the things we measure all of these elements of good, modern, contemporary learning design. And so once you said that, and I let that sort of thought and the question settle in my brain, I thought, yeah, absolutely. There is not a lot out there in the world that brings all of that in a bespoke way for education. We often take something from a different domain, like the corporate world, and we try and squeeze it into the culture and the learning style and the constraints of education. And so it became an obvious no-brainer. Let's do it. Crazy idea, but it's a a no-brainer. And I'm so pleased we did. Thanks, Andrew. It's a really nice detailed explanation. It's really nice for me to hear that side of things as well about the journey that we've embarked on and the people that we're bringing together from all over the world, which is a really exciting part of what we're able to achieve now. Let's jump into some quick fire questions. The first thing that comes to your head uh, and then give us a little bit of a why uh, as to your answer. What is your hashtag one word for 2021? It's transfer. Not so much transformation, but transfer. Let's move some learning into visible practice. I love that. It's a really cool word, actually, that's so you've touched on a lot during this conversation. The whole difference between transfer and transformation. I think it's a, a great one for us to to have in the back of our minds no matter what we do. What is your favorite edtech book or resource? This is a book that I've come back to a few times and referring again now and some of the learning design that we're delivering. And it's not like in a most recent book, I think it's 2017, but it's Learning First, Technology Second by Liz Kolb. And I think it's out of the ISTE camp. And it just says everything about, um, in, in spite of often being called the minister for bright, shiny objects, you know, I, I get caught up in the tech. I love tech. But actually, at the end of the day, it's learning first. It must be learning before we implement the technology. So that speaks lots to me. And what's your go-to edtech tool that the listeners need to try? This is one I use every day, especially when I'm recording or on Zoom calls. And it's going to sound strange. It's mm-hmm. M-M-H-M-M. It's a beautiful little app by Phil Libin, who's the the founder of Evernote. And when he left Evernote, I think he built this one. Uh, and it, it's just a fabulous way to capture a whole range of very interesting and engaging uh, video. Uh, what's the way? It's very hard to describe, but it's just a great tool. app. Look it up. It's brilliant. And how might that app be useful for teachers or leaders in the classroom in a school setting, Andrew? So first of all, 
you can do so much um, visual presentation. You can put um, slides behind you in a, in a green screen cutout. You can port that through as a virtual camera into most um, platforms like Zoom. You can uh, engage with other people in a really interesting way. And it's one of those things that adds to the delivery, adds to the message, it adds to the vision. So for me, that's a big test. If it adds something significant to the learning experience, um, then it's worth doing. So Mm-hmm. app is definitely one that does that. Uh, free for, for teachers in schools, by the way. Uh, for other people, it's about 10 bucks a month. So it's a, not, not very well known, but it's certainly worth a look at. Available on Windows and Mac. Amazing. And what's one daily habit or practice that helps you enjoy, progress and succeed in your career? <laughs> You'd be, uh, I'm smiling and chuckling a bit because this has fallen away, as you probably understand, in the last three weeks, but I've just started coming back to it. It's a bit of a strange one. It's a brain-based one again, and it comes from the work of Andrew Huberman, who is uh, one of my heroes in the neuroscience world. You can look him up, maybe put a link in the show notes there, Craig. And it's 10 minutes of bright sunshine. Some people in our northern and southern parts of the world might struggle in winter, but getting 10 minutes of bright sunshine before nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, and that sets the whole of the uh, diurnal biology, the whole whole structure and the cadence of the way that your brain and your learning moments and your, your waves of engagement and, and fatigue happen throughout the day. It just resets your brain to be in the best space and it actually helps you sleep better at night. 10 minutes of light first thing in the morning. Brilliant. Thank you for all these insights, Andrew, and resources. We'll make sure all the links to those are in the podcast notes as well. What's the best way for the listeners to follow and connect with you? For me, it's uh, on Twitter, A-N-M-O-W-A-T, at A-N-M-O-W-A-T, and I'm on LinkedIn uh, a lot. I have to admit to um, falling off the cliff a bit with social in the last month or so, in particular, especially LinkedIn, but uh, I've, I've come back to there and I'm more than happy to connect with people over time. Amazing, Andrew. Thank you so much for the inspiration. It's been a pleasure to chat to you today. As always, Craig, always look forward to our conversations. Thank you, mate. Next week, join me for episode 65 of the Ignite EdTech podcast when I'm joined by Trav Golter. One of the things I love doing is giving away prizes as a thank you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully following the Ignite EdTech podcast. Last week, I gave away a seat in the EduSpark professional learning portal, valued at 200 USD for one year of unlimited learning at eduspark.world. To win, you needed to complete the form at bit.ly slash edtechwin. The winner has already been contacted directly by me, and it is Stacy Roshan. Congratulations, Stacy! This week, I'm giving away another seat in the EduSpark professional learning portal for one year of unlimited learning at eduspark.world. To win this prize, you need to go to bit.ly slash edtechwin and complete the simple form that'll take you less than a minute to do. The link is in the description below. Competition closes on Wednesday the 22nd of September and the winner will be contacted directly by me and announced on next Friday's podcast episode. Good luck. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please smash that follow button and share it with your colleagues, friends, and families. Please remember to spend two minutes to rate this podcast too so we can reach even more people and edtech enthusiasts globally. Please share your favorite part of today's episode by tagging us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't hesitate to ask me questions that I can answer in an upcoming episode. Remember, you have the chance to win as well. 
Check out the links in the description for more, and I'll see you again next week. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.